step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Show 
Come on, we're going to have to get Michael in here and let him holler at y'all, okay? Hold on, let me see, is Michael in the building? Michael, are you with us? Come on, I am here, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. Thanks for thanks for joining us, man. I could have went on for another 35, 40 minutes, boy, with all this great stuff you've been doing. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. It's good to talk to you. Oh, man, good to have you here, man. I'm so excited, man, to to learn a little bit more about you and a little bit more about what you do and how you come about doing what you do. Absolutely. Ask me what ask me whatever you want except for how the magic works. Okay, well I I have one question and one favor to ask you right away though. You got it. Alright, don't make me disappear before the show's over. <laughs> I, I, I you have a deal. You have a deal. <laughs> Well, fantastic, fantastic. Well, man, Michael, tell us, what what got you started with this, man? What uh, was the process and making decided you wanted to be a magician? And exactly, break break that down, too, because we know a little bit about, you know, Houdini, some of us, you know, that don't really know much about your art. But I know it goes back many, many years, I mean, not even years, it goes back ages, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I always tell people I was very lucky. I, I found what I loved to do early in life. I got a magic set for Christmas one year. Uh, I was five, so I was very young. I think I think it's a pretty popular gift for, for kids. Uh, it still is today, but I got this magic set, and, and that was it. I was hooked. There was just something about it that that just I was fascinated with. I felt very comfortable with. It just It just pulled me in. And so from that point on, from five years old on, I just knew that that was it. Magic was what I wanted to do with my life. And, and I, you know, I still feel like a, a five-year-old kid when it comes to my excitement for magic, my enthusiasm for what I do. I still feel just as excited about, you know, what I, did, what I do as I did all those years ago. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that regard. Do you remember what your first magic trick was? I do. I do. So <laughs> it was <laughs> – it was uh, very simple stuff. It was it was so there was a, a scarf like a handkerchief that would change colors. There was a a little um, foam rubber ball that would jump uh, invisibly from. There were two boxes, and it would disappear from one box and end up in another. Uh, there were cards where you could read people's minds and tell them what number they were thinking of. Uh, you know, there was a flower that would appear in the end of this magic wand, and I took I actually. I took that sh- that magic set into uh, – it was a Fisher-Price magic set. I took it into show-and-tell for kindergarten that year, and I was very nervous because I was a shy kid, and I got up in front of the class, and I did this magic – you know, the magic with the magic set, and and um, and it worked. I just remember – I can still remember seeing, like, the kids smiling and the teachers smiling, and uh, for a shy kid, you go, this is great. I got to do – you know, I'm, I want to do more of this. This is fantastic. So it had a, you know, it had a, it had a really lasting, you know, impression on me. And like I said, I still remember it. I remember all that like it was yesterday. I can imagine this. I, I remember the first time I sang a song in front of a, um, an auditorium. So I understand, you know, that that heart, that adrenaline, and one part of you want to run off the stage. The other part is like, I better come with it. You know. I'm out here now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty nerve-wracking. And, but when you see the audience 
you know, enjoying what you do, and you right, know you're making right. the people happy with it, and you know that's just that's just great. When I I'll tell you a funny story. When I got up with that magic set, there was a girl, there was a girl who got up with the same magic set, you know, about you know a couple minutes before me, did the same tricks, the same stuff, and I thought this is it, I'm ruined. She has the same thing here. How is this ever going to work for me? Uh, but it did. There was just something that I guess I just. I had fun with it, and 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 you know, and it worked for me. So, yeah, it was uh, it was it was definitely something I'll never forget. You came you came with the swag, huh? You put the you put that little extra thing in it. <laughs> I don't know how much swag I had at five years old, but you know, it was <laughs> it was. I just truly loved. I loved it. I just. I think if anything, I think that they just saw that you know I was having fun with it. And like anything, even when you're you know when you're a singer or whatever, if you're out there having fun with it and you're loving it. I think an audience, I think they feel that. Right, I agree. How, how did your How did your family and your friends uh, react to you performing magic? Well, I was lucky again because they were very supportive. Uh, you know, my parents were were incredibly encouraging. You know, for they saw how happy it made me, how much I enjoyed it. It was a good hobby. You know, magic's a creative hobby. It's a safe hobby when you're a kid. It, it's imaginative it's creative it's it's it was a good way to get me out of my shell because you know and, and you know kind of a good way for me to interact with people so they encouraged me uh every every couple of weeks my dad would take me to the magic store in downtown pittsburgh i'm from pittsburgh and um i would spend hours in there looking through the glass cabinets looking at every magic trick that they had and my dad would never rush me he would never say come on we got to go you spent enough time he would just patiently wait for however long i wanted um, and and just you know and supported me and my brother and my sister were my test audience. My mom was my test audience. She would she would sew, you know, uh, basic things for me when I was when I was a kid and just starting out. And everybody just you know they just they were they that kind of support really pushes you, gives you the 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 energy to keep moving forward. And also you know the community that I came from in Pittsburgh, the town that I grew up in, they were all very supportive. They would hire me, you know, when I first started doing shows at 12, they would hire this 12-year-old kid to come into their adult adult functions, their company events, their, you know, corporate parties and different things. And here was this 12-year-old rolling in with his cardboard box of magic stuff, and they treated me like I was a professional magician. They never acted like I was just some little kid. They They treated me like I was, and in my mind, when you get that kind of treatment, like you are right. a professional and you right. are... It, what it makes you do is it makes you go, okay, wow, I'm I'm really doing this, and it, again, it gives you the confidence to just keep to to keep pushing forward and to push forward even more. So, I without that, you know, I don't know if I'd be here today without that family and that community support. It was it was really really essential. That that sounds great too, and I, and I guess what's even uh, more solid to me is the fact that you realize and recognize that. And, I guess you let the people know that how appreciative you are and have been for their support, and I think that's powerful, Michael. Well, I, you know, I, it, it's I, to this day, everybody back home in Pittsburgh, they are the most supportive. Anything I do, anytime I'm on television, anytime we do a show in town, they are still the most supportive people, you know, in the world. And uh, you know, I will, I'll never forget it. You know, I'll never forget it. It means, it definitely means the world to me. Great. 
Well, tell us, Michael, um, well, how do you approach uh, uh, studying your, your magic? I mean, what's the process for that? Well, there's, there, you know, there's to learn magic, there are great magic stories around the country. There are great magic books. You know, when I was growing up, there was no Internet. There was no YouTube. You had to go to libraries and, and you know, search out magic books. You had to go to the magic store. We had a great magic store. It's still there in downtown Pittsburgh. That, that was just, just had a ton of different things in it. And I would just, I would step by step, you know, push forward in trying to constantly grow and, and move in a, in, a, in a forward direction. There is no clear path to becoming a magician. There is no clear, you know, set uh, guidelines or rules or, or road that you go down. What I wanted to do is I approached it as always trying to go beyond what somebody my own age was doing. You know, when I was 12 and I first started doing shows, I didn't want to look like a 12-year-old. I wanted to have some bigger magic effects. When I was 16, you know, we started to put music into the show to accompany the magic, and I started to do some larger illusions, like cutting people in, in half and, you know, some of the standard larger illusions that magicians do. But for me, it was always about learning as much as I could, searching out all the information that I could, and then setting goals for myself and setting kind of benchmarks that I had to achieve and, and try to top myself. And it gave me, and talk about motivation, it gave me always something to work towards. And I think that was really important. You know, having, to this day, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I still always am working towards the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. So it was those two things that really, I think, allowed me to, uh, to move forward as I got into my teens and started again, to do shows around town and really started to build up uh, a performing career for myself at that point in time. Hmm. How many how many hours do uh, would you say a day, or do you uh, look at it as an hours that you that you study for the next thing? When I was starting out, or 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 how many no, hours? No, now you know. That? Yeah, when you you know learning or trying to you know do what you do. I mean, studying for your next uh, magic trick that you're putting together. I mean, do you go into uh, a place where you just do the research and study for so many hours a day or or is there any time limits until you get it perfected? Well, that's a good question because so I work 17 hours a day, seven days a week uh, on developing new magic, on coming up with new places to take our show, uh, finding places where there, where magic hasn't been or hasn't gone and trying to put magic in there. That's how we've gotten into all the stadiums. We've done about 30 stadium shows, the NFL halftime shows, the White House, the you know the parades we've done, a whole bunch of the, the shows we've done, and I enjoy that a lot. So I work a lot, you know, all all the time trying to figure out, again, where magic can go. And also, as you said, coming up with new with new magic. That's I love that. I love putting new things on a stage and watching, like I said earlier, audiences respond to them. So there's no, you know, there's no off switch. It's a constant ongoing um, thing. And if I didn't have to sleep, then I would work 24 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, you know what, I love it. I was was telling somebody this morning that you have to enjoy, when you do this type of thing, you have to enjoy the process. And I enjoy the process. I wake up every day 
excited to get to work, excited to, you know, figure out what is my next mountain to climb today? What am I going to, what am I going to go after today and try and make happen? And so, you know, I, it's a lot of work, but I, I love that. Cause that was going to be one of my questions also. What would you tell someone else that was trying to come up in the game to do what you're doing and to achieve what you've achieved? Uh, how many hours or what kind of time would they have to uh, dedicate to this? But um, you answered that so eloquently that you would do it 24-7 if you could. Well, you know, it, it, it's – thank you. I, it, it, that's what works for me because I, I am – for better or worse, I am a workaholic. You know, I work all the time. You know, it, it, it's uh, because I, I just there are so many things that I want to do and so many things I want to I, I want to achieve with magic and so many places I want to take magic. You know, my fear is that I will run out of time before I run out of you know mountains to climb out there. So because of that, it's always trying to work very hard to you know, keep everything, just keep getting stuff out there and keep going because it's just the more I check off my list of things that I've done, the more I'm adding to the list of things I still want to do. So trying to fit it all in is just, you know, it, it, it's a process. But, again, it's, it's, I enjoy it. It's very, very exciting. Hmm. I think that's something they put in our water, man, because I think I had a drink of that same thing. <laughs> well. And, and for you, you probably get, you probably understand completely. It's, it's to people who don't do it, it sounds like why would anybody work that way? But when you do it, and you're passionate about what you do, there's no choice. You just, you just, you love working that way. <laughs> exactly, because we we don't know. Hey, look, I tell people I quit every day, but tomorrow morning I'm back doing the same thing. You know, I've, I don't know nothing else to do. I mean, I've been doing entertainment yeah. all my life. I mean, I don't really know nothing else to do. You know. Well, it becomes a lifestyle. It's not a job. I tell people it's not like it's not a nine to five job. It, it is a, it is a lifestyle. But the but the, the fun part about it is, is that there's no limit to what, you know, we can do with, with the connectivity that we have, with the internet and being able to we we could talk to people on the other side of the world instantly, you know. So with that said, anything that we want to do, anything we want we want to go after, I'm a firm believer that you can go after it. So there's just so much to do, so little time is probably the best, you know, uh, the best saying I could use to sum it up. Yeah, I think you said it, uh, mentioned it earlier, um, you know, before the Internet, and I think a lot of our listeners don't know how um, the advantages that they have because when we started out, there was no Internet. It used to take me two weeks to send, you know, a CD you know, across the pond, you know, now we can do it with less than 30 seconds, you know, so it made getting oh, yeah, out there I, a, whole, <laughs> a whole lot more difficult than it is today. Oh, I got to tell you, I used to, when I first moved to Los Angeles many years ago, this was before DVDs, you couldn't even burn your own DVDs, you had to, you had to record VHS tapes, like, like for a demo I, tape. I remember. Remember that? And yeah, I would, yeah. I literally, I would buy tapes in bulk. I would buy like 300 tapes, these 10-minute tapes. I would dub my own tapes, like 300 of them. And then I would take, I'd pack them up, put them in envelopes, and I would take them in garbage bags to the post office. And I would show up at the post office with garbage bags filled with videos to mail out. And I would, it was like hundreds of dollars to mail these things out. Um, you know, so it, nowadays, 
one YouTube link and one email, and it's just, you know, it's, it's everywhere. So, yeah, the process, thankfully, you know, for people coming up today is, is, um, is uh, they don't have to go through all that because that, uh, that was quite an ordeal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they should realize they have a huge advantage. So not being um, uh, able to totally utilize, you know, the social networking and all the tools that they have at their disposal now, I mean, it's just basic criminal. They need to get with it, so <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, Michael, tell us, um, what was uh, some of your big breaks, I guess? Well, you know, there were there were several. Um, you know, I'll give you some early ones, and I'll give you some later ones. So, early ones, you know, I was when I was in when I was in high school. The band director came up to me one day and said, "I hear you're a magician. Can you?" Uh, we want to do a halftime show for our football games, that, and we want to incorporate magic. Can you make somebody disappear on the field? And I said, absolutely. And I, I, I knew what I wanted to do, but I got permission to get out of class. They would pull me out of class. I would get out of the woodshop with the woodshop students and the woodshop teacher, and they built this whole big magic illusion that I designed. And for two years for the football games, in, when I was in high school, I was, about, I was 16, uh, for two years – there was this halftime show where a girl would disappear from the football field. And it was the first big thing that I ever did. And it was because it got so much visibility, uh, you know, it was really helpful for me at that point in time. And then about a year and a half later, the same band director came to me and said, "Uh, do you want to do a show on the stage in the auditorium? You will do it as a fundraiser for the band and we'll sell tickets, and it'll be a big stage show. And that was the first opportunity I had to actually get up on a big stage. I was 17, and, you know, in a 1,200-seat auditorium, and talk about community support, the whole uh, the place was sold out. I mean, I was stunned. I thought, who's going to show up for this? It was sold out. I mean, it was 12, the community, and they treated me at, at 17. They treated you like you're a rock star. They cheered for you, and they, they just – that's how they support their own. And again, it goes back to when you get that kind of support, you feel like, you know, uh, you, you can achieve whatever goal that you want to do. Um, right. So th- those, those things. And then every couple of years after that, I would do shows throughout Pittsburgh. I would stage a big show. Always try, I did one in college and I did one just at the beginning of college. And I did one in my senior year of college where again, always trying to outdo myself by my senior year in college. I built up a show where I had, um, really large illusions, making motorcycles appear, doing very dangerous escapes, making people float in the air. Well, somebody saw one of those tapes from that show, from, from the show that I did my senior year in college at NBC. And they were doing a show on NBC called The World's Most Dangerous Magic. And on that tape was an escape I did where I was chained up between these two walls of steel spikes that were set on fire. And I had to escape before the steel spikes came in and, and got me. So NBC thought it'd be really interesting for this. I was 21 for a 21 year old kid on a show where everybody else was in their thirties and in their forties. Here was this 21 year old kid doing this stuff that was just as dangerous. So they flew me out to LA and it was my first time ever in LA. And, and I did it. I did that on the show and to make it, to kick it up a notch, as they said, to make it even more dangerous, the spikes were set on fire, but I was also covered in gasoline. So I, so if the spikes came in on me, not only would the spikes go through me, but they would catch me on fire at the same time. Wow. So I did that at 21, and that was really 
you know, a, a big turning point for me. It was national television exposure. It was, um, you know, it, it really kind of set the bar for my next goals that I wanted to go after. And, you know, from there it became all about combining magic and television, which we're, which we're doing a lot of now and, and building our road show, which was going, which, you know, has been going around the country for many, many years. So that was really, I, I think those breaks both locally and then that on a national level, uh, really all those years ago were the things that gave me a, a you know, a great push so that when, when college ended, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, you know, firmly heading down the path. Yeah, that was leading into my next question about how um, television came to play in your career. That was that your uh, first um, venture with television. That was my first. I, I had done some local things in Pittsburgh, but that was the first national television I did. Uh, from there, we did Entertainment Tonight. We did a bunch of talk shows like Fox and Friends up in New York. Uh, there was a show called Crook and Chase that we did many years ago. There was, so I did a bunch of, we did the Jerry Lewis Labor Day telethon was on for all those years. We did that several times. Um, and then the series started, we did a bunch of commercials and then, but then the the series started masters of illusion, which has been, which has been great. It's been bringing magic, not only to people's homes around this country, but in a hundred countries around the world. So this series has taken magic and, you know, talk about making it visible. It's made it visible all over the world. So it's been really, really, you know, a thrill to be a part of. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that That is truly, truly awesome. What did you What did you do on Bones? How did, what was happening with that? Bones was a lot of fun. That was last year. They did an episode uh, about a – it was all centered around a magic club, and one of the magicians there was a suspect. So when when the two detectives came to the magic club, obviously you have to have magic if you're, you know, doing a scene in a magic club. So when they came to the magic club, I was there making one of our dancers float in the air. So you see me making the dance, and the camera kind of moved around and behind, and uh, it was it was great. We had a lot of fun, a lot of fun with that. Uh, you know, it was it was. I I'll always remember. Here's here's my memories of that shoot. It was a long hot. Day. There was no air conditioning. We shot for eight hours. <laughs> that sounds uh, about, about right. Four degrees, <laughs> and you know, but it was it was, you know, it was so much fun and and just such a blast. To, I always remember when the commercial aired for that episode that we made the commercial. So uh, you know, it was exciting. It was it was just really exciting. Well, at least at least on the bone set, you know, Crafty's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was. Yeah, it was it was it was a good day, and it was, it's always intriguing to me to watch, you know, the production process on television. I like to see how everything works, uh, you know. So I, it was fun watching the directors and watching the lighting people and watching, you know, how all of it came together because it's just, you know, it, it's 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 a fascinating process. So I enjoyed yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. As, as as do I, because when you're right there on the set and you're looking at it that way, and then when you're sitting at home relaxing, not even paying attention, and you're flipping through the channels, and then all of a sudden you see a scene that you're in, and you're looking at it completely different, and like you're like, wow, <laughs> it's a totally oh, different yeah. experience. Completely, a hundred percent, completely. But it was it was great. Everybody and everybody associated with the show down there were they were fantastic to work with. We we just had we had so much fun with it. It actually just it just re aired last week too. So I I, I was I was uh, um, 
slipping through one night, and uh, and I and and there we were. So that was a nice surprise. <laughs> yeah, you see now you say, "Mom, Dad, I made it. Look at me." <laughs> that, that's me right there. <laughs> well, Michael, what are, what are some of the things that uh, we can expect to see on your show? Well, we so that we have a lot of stuff coming up. So the television show Masters of Illusion is just it's just about to wrap for the third season. But if people go online, if they go on YouTube, uh, we put all of our clips up, so they'll be able to see everything we've done over the past over the past several seasons of the show. And it's been great. We've we, you know we've had so much fun trying to do magic a little bit differently and trying to come up with from season to season ways to, to top ourselves. So you'll see dangerous escapes. You'll see you know, levitation. This year I, I took somebody from the audience and I made them float in the air. Uh, you'll see us perform illusions right in the center of the audience where the audience is very close and watching from just, you know, two feet away. Uh, you'll see, you know, even one of the things we wanted to do with the television show also is move the cameras around and behind the magic. So when you're watching the magic, you're getting a better view on television than if you were even there live. So, you know, that was. I hope people have a chance to, if they didn't get a chance to see the show this summer, to check it out online, to check out our clips on YouTube, uh, and I hope they enjoy them. And then our live show, we're on the road all the time, taking magic to cities all over the country. Um, everything from theater shows to casino shows to shows with symphony orchestras. Uh, we're performing with the Phoenix Symphony Orchestra for four shows this October uh, for for Halloween. Um, you know, if anybody, I always say, if anybody ever sees a magician with a really long Italian last name coming to this town, uh, <laughs> so, so come and check us out. And, uh, you know, I would love for people to see what we do. Like I, you know, I think you could probably tell I'm a pretty enthusiastic guy. I love what, I love what I do and I love people to see it. So I encourage everyone to, you know, please come and see us if we're in your town. Definitely, definitely, man. It's great, man. I definitely feel your energy. Michael, tell me this, though. How is performance for television different, uh, well, I guess, than doing a live show? Is it, do you feel like that's different, or do you have to be a little bit more uh, intense when you're doing it for television than when you're doing a live performance, or is it the same? Well, when you shoot magic for television, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, home viewers – they're very aware, they're very smart of editing tricks, of, you know, things that you could create um, in post-production to, you know, when you can go to a movie and see anybody fly or see, any, you know, a big spaceship floating there, you know, people know that technology can create things. So when you're putting magic on television, you have to shoot it in a very specific way so that the home viewer knows that nothing funny is going on. You're seeing the magic on television exactly the same way the live audience is seeing it there. So to do that, number one, you have to have a live audience there. You have to have people reacting because that's going to prove to the people watching at home that this stuff is really happening in real time and people are there seeing it. The other thing that you have to do is you can't cut away. You know, you have to create magic for television that could be done in essentially one shot because if you cut away, if you put somebody in a box, for example, and then you cut away, to a different shot, and then the per- you open the box and the person's gone. People may think, okay, when they cut away, the person snuck out of the box. So you exactly. have to do it in a way where that camera doesn't, you know, you have to, de- you have to design the magic and design the camera work 
so that it shows everybody that there's no room for anything funny going on. And then what we try and do is, like I said earlier, create ways where you are giving the home viewer a better view of the magic. I'll give you an example. So when I, <clears throat> when I float in the air, we took the camera around me, behind me. It even shot under me so that the home viewer could see that there was nothing hidden. There was, again, nothing you know, out of the ordinary going on that, was, that we were trying to hide. The, they were getting a, a, basically a bird's eye view of the magic as it happened in front of the live audience. So all those elements are really essential for making magic work on television. So when you approach magic, when you, when you, you know, sign on to do a television show for magic, I think it's really important to keep all those things in mind because, you know, at the end of the day, it has to be a really strong experience for the home viewer. It has to be. So you have to have that in mind. As compared to a stage show, you know, where you're, where you're on stage and clearly what the audience is seeing, they're getting. You still have to put all the time and the thought into the music, the staging, the choreography, the timing, the theatricality of it. But, you know, it, it's much more immediate than on television. So, so you have to approach both with those specific kind of frames of reference in mind. I definitely could see. How often, well, I know when you were doing television, I mean, did you have to educate the director or the cameraman? How closely did you guys have to work together? Very closely. Uh, I, we, you know, we always have meetings with, with the production team before we before the cameras roll and basically say, here's what we're doing, here's what's going to work for this, here's what's not going to work for this, and then we do kind of a dry run of it so everybody can see it. So that, you know, because we're all on the same team. Everybody, you know, on the production team wants the very best magic for the audience. So everybody's working. We're all working together to kind of push the car up the hill, you know. So, yes, but we we meet and we discuss it and we look at it and we talk over different ideas. It's a very collaborative process. It is very much, you know, a whole group of people functioning together as a whole to try and make it great. And I'll say this, too, with Masters of Illusion. Their camera people and their lighting people are wonderful. You know, they've done some some camera work that just looks spectacular. Um, it really makes the magic shine for for all the performers on the show. So everybody tries real hard to 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 make sure all those details are covered. So yeah, we we talk we talk it through and we plan it, um, you know, very thoroughly in advance. Yeah, I could see there's a lot of work would have to be a lot of work to go into that. Yeah. So tell me, what was it? What was it like performing at the White House? I know that was an awesome experience, also. It was surreal. It was one of those situations in life. Have you ever had a situation in life where you go, "Is this really happening?" Because this, <laughs> really, this really, <laughs> you know, if that was one of those situations. It was the president was about fifty feet away, the president and his family, and there were Secret Service everywhere, as you can imagine, uh, and even even ahead of time, from the minute you're accepted to perform there, they do a very thorough background check, which is understandable, and then they give you a whole list of things that you can and can't do. You can't bring in, you know, as a magician, you can't bring in anything sharp, no sharp objects, uh, no fire, nothing combustible, nothing dangerous, nothing that's going to, you know, kind of be a projectile or fly through the air. Um, And then when you get there, Secret Service has to inspect everything and go through everything. You have to show them what everything is um, and, and really be thorough with it. Because, again, they have a very important job, and it's very understandable. So you, you go through all that, and it's, it's, 
it's I mean there are people on rooftops you see you just see if, from a security standpoint it was the most uh, amazing thing I had seen the most thorough thing I had seen uh, and then you know when we performed it was it was the, the energy of Washington D.C. because it's such we performed there several times and every time we go there it just feels really um, amazing because it's such a historic place so to be actually on the White House grounds and to be doing and to be performing there. Uh, it was all that much more, you know, amazing of an experience. So it was, it was, it was wonderful. It was, it was great. It was one of those things, again, that no matter what else happens in life, you're just going to remember. You will never, you will never forget that. So it was, it was one of the highlights of my performing career. And I think anything I do from this point forward, you know, that is always going to be one of the highlights. <clears throat> Yep, that's certainly something that everybody don't get to do every day. That's for sure. Yeah, and I, you know, I am grateful for it. I am really grateful to have had the opportunity, and um, I, you know, I still, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world that I get to. I think back to when I got that magic set that we talked about, and you know, dreaming that I would someday be a magician, and you know, walking across the stage in junior high school, and going, yeah, someday I want to do a show on a stage like this, and. You know, to now look back and to have been able to do that stuff, uh, I'm very thankful. But, you know, completely and totally. You know, I realize that not everybody. You know, I'm a I'm a lucky guy in in you know in that regard. A lot of work to do it, but you know, I I count my blessings. Well, you spoke it into existence a long time ago. Well, I was I was, you know, I think there's something to be said for when you have a goal, keeping it in mind. And never losing sight of it. Uh, it. It's a matter of staying on the path. Uh, you just don't know how long the path is. But if you stay on the path, you, I'm a firm believer that you will get there. You just have to stay on the path. You can't, you can't, one of the most detrimental things I think is to go, okay, by 25, I'm going to achieve this, 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 and this, you know, it's great to set goals. I'm the first person that says, that says set goals. But if you set a goal and you say, by 25, I'm going to have this or I quit, well, then that's the problem. I know people who have done that. I, I've never done that. I set a goal like that myself with a limit on it. But I know people who have set those kind of goals. And I think you have to just, you know, set the goal and stay on the path no matter how long it takes. And don't put that time limit on yourself. And eventually you will get there. And that was always the, the kind of the mindset that I always had. That was never, I can't remember a time, to be honest with you, where I didn't have that in my mind. And they always say nothing beats a failure but a try. And and I, I totally agree with you, you know. Um, and I guess society plays a big part in that, too. Sometimes it is hard to get, stay focused, especially when you don't have the support mechanism like, like you've had, you know. And, and being honest, you know, a lot of people out there haven't had that. So it's been kind of rough and, like I said, trying to survive and everything. And it's hard to stay focused. But once you lock in, you know, there, there's really nothing to stop anyone from succeeding. Yeah, and you know what, and I would also say that I was very lucky to have that support system around me. But, you know, but if you don't or if, you you know, if, if for, for any reason that that doesn't exist around you, don't let that, don't let that stop you. You know, be your own support system. Have your own motivation to say, 
I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do this no matter what. And, you know, have that inner strength yourself to do it. It's easier said than done sometimes, I know, but I think it, it's, that's really important because, again, I, I, you know, I'm a firm believer that you can <clears> – <throat> it's all out there for the, for, the, for the achieving. It's all out there. You just have to keep taking little steps forward, and you'll, you'll get there. Look, it's, I, I tell people, <clears throat> if I wanted to walk – I'm in Los Angeles. I'm sitting at my desk in Los Angeles as we speak here. If I wanted to walk to, you know, New York City right now, I could do it. It's going to take me a whole lot of time. It's going to tire me out, but I could do it, and I will get there. It's just going to be a process. You know, anything that you want to do, it's the same thing might be a long process, might be a tough process, might tire you out. But if you stay walking, if you stay moving forward, you are going to get there. So, you know, again, it, it's, it's not like a broken record, but I think, you know, if, if I can impart any advice to people, that would certainly be it. No, I feel you, and I preach the same thing, you know, about staying focused. I, I always say that to a lot of artists, that you definitely have to stay focused. You have to know yourself first who you are and what it is that you want in life and what you want to achieve because if you don't know, no one else can really tell you. So, you know, once you know yourself, you know, that's what it's about, you know, stay in focus and get with it. Yeah, and staying determined, staying determined, you know, and just and, and just never getting off the path. Yeah. Stay on that yellow brick road. Michael, so uh, outside of uh, the White House, what else would you say has been some of your um, memorable performances? Well, there's, there's a couple that jump to mind. So one, another one of them is a wash. It was also in Washington D.C. It was we were very lucky to be. I was the first magician ever invited to perform in the Fourth of July parade, the National Independence Day parade in Washington D.C. And it was a beautiful sunny day. Two hundred and fifty thousand people lined the streets. Constitution Avenue and it was a so we were on a moving float and as the float went down the parade route I did magic for the people and I made um, I made one of our assistants float in the air so I, I made a girl float above a float and it was great it was all the people there they were so happy to be there they were waving their American flags it was just you could just feel um, the positivity of the day the two hour parade felt like it was ten minutes when the parade was done, it, it just it was it's one of the it's one of the biggest I guess instances in my life where time just went so fast. Where literally it just in the blink of an eye, two hours just disappeared. It was that <laughs> kind of experience. It was it was great. It was it was just so much fun. And then the halftime shows that we've done in these stadiums, uh, when you're surrounded by sixty or seventy thousand people. It is quite an experience walking out onto that field. Uh, and I don't care how many times you do it. Every time you walk out there, you, you know, the hair stands up on your arms. It is just, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, not, it's not nervousness. It is complete excitement to, to be out there. And the other cool thing about that that I love is, so we do this piece in our halftime shows. Where Does your heart I float, speed up? Does your heart pump? Does your heart speed up any, Michael? It well, it absolutely. I mean, it's just the the adrenaline the adrenaline starts pumping. I mean, it's just. And I always tell my crew, I tell my my team of people that I'm with, you know, stay focused on your job. But when we're walking out there, take ten seconds, 
and look around and, and take it all in. You know, let's appreciate where we are because this is this is quite an experience. You know, just take a couple seconds and smell the roses, as they say, because it is just, it's phenomenal. But I do a piece where I close the show where I float 10 feet above the stadium, 10 feet above the 50-yard line. And every time I do that, I think to myself, wow, I am, how many people see a stadium from 10 feet above the 50-yard line? The view that I have, the view is a view that nobody, not even the football players down here, get to have. So, you know, it is, uh, that's always my favorite, one of my favorite experiences. It just, it just, uh, it's so unique and so exciting. So those are a couple, I'll give you one more. When we perform with symphony orchestras, that's always phenomenal because when you have that music literally five feet away behind you and you're performing an illusion and you have 200 musicians and that music is right there, it is literally right there, it just, it feels great. It just, it is, um, you get it because you're, you know, you're a, you're a musician also, but the power of music, and when you, when you feel that music, and it's just right there, and that symphonic music is right there, it's, it's exhilarating. So, those are a bunch of things that just, you know, stand out in my mind. Wow, now, you know, when you're talking about the symphony orchestra, I could feel the sound waves pulsating. <laughs> I could feel the sound hitting you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it is powerful. And, and they're so talented. It makes it, it sounds like you're listening to a CD, but you're not. It's, it's right there. They're, they're so, these musicians are so talented. It's it just, again, it's almost surreal that, that it's, it sounds just like you would hear on a on a movie or a television show, but it's it's five feet away from you, so it's great. It's, it's you know I always look forward to those shows. Yeah, you're totally up close and personal for real. So how many how many days of the year are you on the road, Michael? A lot. I always tell people I, I feel like I'm in planes more than I'm in my own car, um, but I love it. I love it. I wouldn't trade it. We do. Um, it depends. You know, we do a, a, about a hundred shows in a year, and and in between that, we're doing a lot of appearances at different places. Uh, so it, it's 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 a pretty full schedule in and around the television shoots and our rehearsals for New Illusions. And but I love that. I love going to cities that I've never been to, and you know, meeting people that I would never have a chance to meet. And there's there's just there's just um it's a great experience being able to travel and do what what you know travel for your job i i definitely enjoy it so we're, we travel, travel a lot for and, your and, job. oh yeah it's 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 really you know it is i, I wouldn't trade it i wouldn't trade it. and next year i gotta tell you next year is is um shaping up to be our busiest year on the road yet so, you know, a lot, a lot of cities, a lot of new cities, a lot of, a lot of return cities, a lot of places we've been before, um, and a lot of new cities coming up next year. So I can't wait. Hmm. That's what I, that was my next thing, too. Uh, what are you working on now, and, and what do you have upcoming? What projects you have in store? So we're working on, for I'll give you a couple of answers here. So for our show, we're working on a bunch of new illusions, things that people have never seen before. I'll give you one example of that. We're, we're working on a new way to cut a new way to cut somebody in half. Now, what does a new way to cut somebody in half mean? Well, we're going to do it with no boxes, no covering, and a giant 40-inch spinning buzzsaw. 
where it's all very visible, and you see us cut the girl in half visibly. But but it's a fun routine. It's not scary. It's not imposing. The girl, she's smiling. She's having fun. She's, you know, uh, we tickle her feet that are across the stage with a giant feather, and, and she lasts, her upper body lasts across the stage. It's all played for fun. Um, but visually, it's something I think that audiences, I hope, are really going to be excited by. We're, we're in rehearsals with that now, um, and that hopefully will be in our show within the next couple of months. And then, you know, with live shows, we're doing a bunch of shows throughout the rest of this year uh, with symphony orchestras and in theaters around the country. And then starting next year, we're doing a, a pretty massive theater tour around the country, theaters and casinos uh, in cities big and small. So that's why I said if, if people, uh, you know, uh, see us come to town, please, uh, please come and see us and please say hi after the show. Uh, do you cut ex-wives in half, too? <laughs> you know, I, I, I pretty much stick to my assistant, i got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw that one in there because I was trying to find a way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, okay. Well, Michael, it's been fantastic. Tell our listeners how they can get a hold to you and all that good stuff. Well, the best way is my website, which is michaelgrandinetti.com. And then on social media, I always tell people, please feel free to connect. On Facebook, I'm under Michael Grandinetti. On Twitter, I'm GrandinettiMG. And on Instagram, I'm Michael Grandinetti. So by all means, connect. And if anybody has any questions about magic or pursuing your career path or where we're going to be performing, by all means, you know, get in touch. I love to hear from everybody. And definitely, man, I'm looking to I'm gonna find out when you're going to be appearing somewhere locally because I definitely want to be in the house, me and my crew. Well, I will tell you something. I was just going to say, you, now you you just read my mind. You, when, when you see us coming to town, send me a note. And I want to send you some tickets. I, I, I want you to come and see our show. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And also, um, you gave me another idea. We have a show. <laughs> I guess I'm going to do a shameless plug myself. I have a cooking <laughs> show in pre-production. It's called Cooking with My Homies. It's a it's a celebrity-based cooking show, something that hasn't really been done yet. But a lot of my entertainment friends, they're going to come on and, you know, perform and move right into the kitchen. And I'm doing all genres. But I hadn't thought about including illusionists and magicians on that show because some of them may be able to cook a little something too. Hey, that's a fantastic idea. That sounds like a... The show sounds like that sounds like a lot of fun, and yeah. I think, you know, I think uh, you never know. Magicians, there might be a, a, a kind of a magical way to cook something. You never know. Well, absolutely. You just gave me another idea, man. I'm gonna start kicking that <laughs> around too. So, don't be surprised if you hear from us on that one as well. You know, so you can add that one to one thing, one of your appearances. Absolutely, I would. I would love to do it. You just let me know. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, well, looking forward to it, and it's going to be a great thing because I'm getting some positive reviews on it so far from the people that know about it. Got some great, 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 great performers that's already, you know, signed up to do the show. But anyway, again, Michael, I want to definitely thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come chat with us, and hopefully our listeners out there will learn something about it because we know um, 
you can't learn to be a magician and an illusionist overnight. Well, I, I certainly hope your listeners, you know, enjoyed our conversation as much as I enjoyed talking to you. This was, again, talking about making time disappear. This this hour just it disappeared. It went by so fast. Thank you so much for having me on. I truly enjoyed it. And I thank you so much again, sir. And we're going to be in touch with you soon, man. And don't make me disappear because you can't. (laughs) (laughs) You're my friend now, so we're going to stay connected, man. And thank you so much again, Michael. Thank you again. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. Mr. Michael Grandinetti, everybody, if you've just joined in and didn't catch the part of the show from the beginning, please, you can catch it on all your podcasts, iTunes, or you can go to worldmovement.com and get it, uh, blog talk radio forward slash indie is, and you can get it, or just Google I am indie, and you'll be able to hear the show in its entirety, and it's available worldwide now. So we don't want you to miss this one because I don't want to have Michael come find you and make you disappear somewhere. So now you heard it from me. Go check out the show, everybody. And let me see. Let me play a little bit of music here for you. Let's put this one on there. All right, thank you. I think I changed my mind. I think I want to hear this one right here.
This is Sweetie Love coming to you live in total bliss. You are listening to the best of I Am Envy on Blog Talk Radio with your host, K. Diddy. Ciao.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.